Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I timed it out just right. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. Danny, how's it going? <laughs> you thought you got rid of me. I'm back, baby. <laughs> yes, you are. And I have questions for you. It's been a while since we talked because you missed last week. I got a chance to talk to Eric Garcia Gunderson, which was pretty cool. Um, but I, Yeah, he, he, we were talking to the media room the other day, and uh, flex. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going to come on and, you know, bring your Kevin Love propaganda on, on, on the pod? Get out of here. <laughs> well, he did. Um, and, you know, I don't even know where things are. Like, so much has happened lately in all the rumor mill stuff going around with, you know, also some people who were in the conversation now being off the table. Blake Griffin, you know, can't play or, you know, is out for the season. Let's see who else who's been associated with just about every team in the league is now no longer available. But you know who's sitting in Utah on the bench? Mm -hmm. Could you please tell me, will you talk me? I, I like can't let go of the Blazers going and getting Ed Davis, who is currently not being used, getting DMPs in utah for the jazz i i it's i don't even know what to say about this i'm so upset about it he's he's living that uh easy like ed davis life do you think that's um, what ed davis wants to be sitting on the bench oh no, he wants he no he wants to play um so but, what's going yeah, on there I, I what i understand I, I think is it's he's not fit. fitting in with their current no. schemes which is kind of weird because he plays the Rudy Gobert role pretty damn well as far as like tracking the the roller and or tagging the roller and 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 playing in between and playing a good sound strong defensive scheme, being on a string, being that anchor, uh, communicating, a uh, good good to great offensive rebounder, solid defensive rebounder, can be switchable at the on the perimeter if they need it. Like you would think Ed Davis would be perfect there, but for whatever reason, it's just not clicking. And I mean, it could, maybe it could be it's off the court things. Maybe it's just not a great relationship with uh, his teammates. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, haven't you ever worked somewhere where you're like, it was, it was cool, but it wasn't the best for you. And you were just like, you had nothing against anybody. But like, I think I can do better than this. I think that's the kind of situation. Uh, the problem is, I'm, I, know, I know where you're going here is that what can Portland do to get him, right? Yes. I mean, like, I know, okay, I know it's a pipe dream, but it's out there. And you know how beloved Ed was and how important he was to Damian Lillard. We heard all those stories about Damian Lillard being disappointed when Ed was gone. And, you know, Ed provided, yeah. I mean, he was steady like a rock. He was always there. He always knew exactly what he was supposed to do. He always showed up on time. He was, you know, whether it was to practice or in a defensive rotation, Ed was not late. He was there when he was supposed to be there. He was reliable. He's not on a big contract. And maybe that's the problem. And also I know that he is, you know, on the older end. So he's not somebody who, you know, the Portland, I would think would build many around, you know, for the many years in the future, but why no, but not bring him to better placement than Powell? Yes. Thank you. I hadn't even thought about that. Thanks for bringing like, up Powell again. I kind of thought we were done with Powell, but yeah. he keeps cropping up <laughs> in the media. Yeah. yeah. So wh why not? You're you're just saying for Pal Gasol is still one of the weirdest things to me, but it's 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 all right. Everybody has theirs. That's very random, um, Dan. Come on. I they, they mean it's that that part, but it's on brand. <laughs> it just doesn't work mathematically though. Like for Ed, it's going to cost you an asset, and it just doesn't make sense to do that for Ed Davis at this point. Um, they're already short bodies. And they don't have a contract that fits outside of Collins that they could trade straight across for Ed. You'd have to like we go zone in little Tolliver because you, yeah, sure. And that's the, the the bond. Yeah, you've got the bond between Ed and Zach, and 
all that kind of stuff. Like it, listen, if, if Ed had gotten a, a vet minimum deal, then yeah, I could, I could see them trying to find a way to swing something there for sure. But he's just, but that. it's just not the reality of it. But I mean, what about Hazonia yeah, and so. somebody like, like Gary Trent Jr. Like originally I was like Naz, but then I was like, no, Naz is Naz has some unique skills that I think, uh, could uh, not just that, like, why do you, well, why do you want to give up assets at this point in time? Because I like, want to no, take us back. Yeah, that's, that's that doesn't make any sense. You're talking about a team that's got that's shorthanded, like on actual physical bodies. I'm not even talking basketball talent position. I'm talking actual playable bodies, and you want to send out two for one. Okay, that, like it just doesn't work. it just doesn't work. <laughs> so, like, I mean, sure, yeah, it'd be nice. I don't know. Maybe there's maybe the there's somebody is else in somebody else unlikely, in Utah that they could that compare, combine them with, and maybe one of the larger. Maybe Ed is like what they need to make a larger matching contract. I don't know. It's just it just breaks my heart that somebody is not getting the best out of Ed Davis. It just seems impossible that that could be happening if he's not fitting in with your schemes. Change your schemes. Yeah. No. I mean, it happens. Okay. It's- well, so the Blazers are in pretty dire straits right now in terms of centers. I mean, God bless Anthony Tolliver for giving it his all every night as backup center and then the other night as the center when Hassan Whiteside was out. But how much longer can the team go without finding a body? Like, what what are your thoughts on that? The trade deadline. I think so that's exactly what they're, they're doing. You think they're going to spend a whole like month, well, three weeks, without bringing in? I mean, can couldn't they bring Moses Brown back? I think they'll do that. Yeah, I think they'll bring Moses back. But I mean, they're just trying to minimize or excuse me, maximize how the the two way contract works. Mm-hmm. That's really what they're trying to manipulate right now. Um, and here's the thing: Paul Allen owned a team for two decades. We kind of got a feeling for what he was going to do, how he was going to do it, and what was kind of going on in a particular year. Blazers have new ownership still in Jody Allen. And outside of you know last year's trade deadline, um, we don't know what her goals are. We don't know what she plans to do with the team. Does she see this team as something that can figure it out and she wants to invest in further? So she, you do bring in big contracts. Um Maybe taxes don't matter, and she just pays the luxury tax. Maybe they matter a ton, and they want to slash payroll left, right, and center. Uh, maybe she wants to wait until the deadline to ma- to maximize all of her options, like any CEO would. What can I do to put myself in the best possible scenario to go down as many paths as I want? And I think that's what's happening right now with the Blazers. Everybody's screaming, "Why can't they sign somebody? Why they could just do this?" Yes, Why? I'm screaming that because they need help. The, these these there's they're just running out of people to come in and play. <laughs> like, are we gonna have five people on the court the it, whole time? It hasn't been quite that far yet, but I get what you're saying. Like I mean Hazonia, like I can't believe he's still playing. Oh, I, know. I guess he's questionable for the next game. He's gonna be questionable until he stops getting up ended at the rim. Man, the man has been undercut twice in the past three games, and he's come down like a sack of bricks. Poor guy. I know. <laughs> um, but like, I'm just looking at the Blazers, and I look at any NBA team. They're they're doing what's prudent uh, as far as business and both business wise and transaction wise going forward. Um, you just said the Blazers are being prudent. I'm, I'm yeah, just with, trying to wrap my with, head with around all that because usually you have lots of opinions on the ways that they're not doing things right. I, I guess it what maybe what you might say and correct me if I'm wrong is that due to things that they have done in the past, they've now found this, themselves in this situation and considering the situation that they are in, they are being prudent. Yes, I'm just playing the role of Dan tonight. Yeah, there you go. Um, and. I, I think here's here's a couple things that are going on. This is the grand scope, grand scheme things. I think you're hearing some of the national messaging about the Blazers, what they are or aren't doing heading into the trade line, such as Windhorse report that the Blazers are, you know, they may not be players at all. Well, what's a good thing to do after you said championship aspirations and you had your world fall apart? You think lowering expectations is probably a good idea? Mm-hmm. I would say so. Mm. So 
So those messages are getting out in the media to like help fans understand that we're not one piece away. (laughs) Yeah. And I, not even just that, I think it gives them a little bit of cover of, um, Remember that whole my whole rant about, you know, what's the point of doing this? Like why? Like what's the gain? Well, now I think you feel some of the pressure of, oh, yeah, you thought you're a championship team, huh? That's weird. Let me look at look at your record. You're 16 and 24 right now. That doesn't look quite championship like, huh? You know what? I don't I don't want your your your, your trade paces. And they just, it's a little, little bit of leverage and as corny as it sounds, that's kind of stuff comes out there because they can wage those wars publicly. You know, we're seeing it back and forth between the Lakers and Kings right now over the six, eight slim shady Bogdanovich who's 18 times the player that Kuzma is, but it's neither here nor there. Um, the Blazers, I think part of the reason why they operate in so much secrecy is that they won't do a deal unless you do that way. You can't wage these wars, but when you've publicly put messages out there yourself of how good or you will or won't be, and it backfires, then it's kind of open season. So uh, I think what the Blazers are doing are one, they're trying to string this out as long as possible. And if I think after the trade deadline, once things are more resolved, then it goes to, I think the Blazers will sign either another free agent or uh, I guess this falls under a free agent, a, a buyout candidate who doesn't really, doesn't really care about where he goes, just wants out of his current place. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then beyond that, I think it probably goes into, I think the Blazers will take a pretty solid look at some 10 days. I think they will start adding bodies, but I don't think it's going to be until February, what, 13th yeah. is the uh, the deadline. So once the uh, flu has run through the entire lineup and every or the respiratory illness has run its way through the entire lineup and everybody is CJ oh. is patient zero and they sequestered him and Hassan and they flew back those on the plane with, with masks on oh, those poor guys. I feel so bad for yeah. them. I mean, it's no fun being sick. Anyway, no, and it was bad. Imagine. Those guys had was nasty. Yeah. And, and listen, and if you watch the post keep show after the heat game, all I said about CJ was, hey, good on you, man. Because I heard him before the game, uh, like the cameras on the floor, then, you know, picking him up. During- oh, he was dying. He had no business being out there, but he still tried to go out there mm-hmm. and battle it because they needed him. So mm-hmm. props to CJ. And honestly, for the last three games. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I mean, Hassan just looked like he was a zombie out there. Poor guy. I, mean, I just want to go take there. care of all of them. <laughs> just like line them up uh, in, the, uh, in the hospital beds and just be like, you guys just, we're going to turn on Netflix and we're going to have soup and we're just going to get through this. Okay. But speaking of getting through this um, and speaking of the trade deadline, this that's my transition. Speaking of the trade deadline, um, things seem to be progressing positively for a return uh, from Yusuf Nurkic sometime around the trade deadline. That's what we seem to be hearing. Or February seeing. 21st. That's your, that's your date that you're guessing. <laughs> yeah. Back, back from the all-star break. Okay. So that's your guess. So after the all-star break, one thing that I've kind of been a little bit worried about is what do you think the expectations are? We should have for Nurkic when he comes back, because uh, I mean, and he's he's stoking the fires too, because he's obviously oh, he really is. excited to get back. So, but like, what's reasonable for us to think about what he can achieve as he works his way back in? Honestly, game one and mine zero expectations. Let's just see how the biomechanics look. Mm-hmm. God, like, let's see. Looks it. amazing. Yeah, let's let's see how you move, big fella. Let me see how you move when you're when you're going shoulder to shoulder with guys. Um, and realistically, if he's gonna play here in the next month, which sounds about right, we should be getting news on him resuming basketball activities, like full on five on five contact here very soon. Like what all those mean when they say you know so and so is resuming basketball activities. Like what what's the what are the steps that. That means you're usually mean? out of you're out of physical therapy or out of treatment or whatever the situation is, and you're doing uh, cutting, running, moving drills. Okay. So a lot of the times when you're resuming basketball activity, it's it's usually a, a lower body injury, leg, knee, ankle, hamstring, and so you're getting back to running. So it's and drills, like, and then after drills, you work on like 
three on three, three on three, non-contact and then five, three on three, five on five contact drills. Yeah. So the, the, the non-contact, the three, like three on three, non-contact and mostly like shooting drills, stuff like that. Okay. And so you so, think we should be hearing about that? We should be hearing contact soon. here. We should be hearing about three on three, five on five contact very soon. Okay. So. Because he's he's doing basketball activities. I mean, when they put out that video like a month ago right. of Nurk doing post moves, that was like, that was them broadcasting to the world. Because they, they didn't put out the video, they let all of the media in, and Nurk just happened to be working out right then and there. So Conven- conveniently timed. Oh, so great! Oh my gosh. Um, so when he does come back, do you think they are going to narrow the playbook in order and and build on? things or is it like they're going to wait until he's like fully ready to just do whatever needs to get done yeah i think they're going to have the playbook there but here's mike and I, we've kind of talked about this a little bit of the last couple months when he comes back my thought my belief is that he's a starter mm-hmm. and everybody's like oh he's not just going to come on number one if the blazers make a move for a power forward or a backup five and that guy's there and Nur- yusuf nurkic is playing yusuf nurkic is starting like just mm-hmm. put that idea out of your head as far as like pecking order and stuff like that goes, because this is, this is Nurk. This is, this is the guy. So when he comes back, you clear the road for him. Even more than that, the physical side of it, if he's going through warmups and he's ready to go, why sit him down? Mm-hmm. Oh, why not, right. why not him, let him warm up and get right into the game? Meaning he just warmed up. So let's get him in there so that he yeah. doesn't have time to cool down because we're already yeah, like don't... concerned about him. Exactly. Anyway. And on the mental side of it, why not go back to the same state of mind? Work yourself in that you're the starter for an NBA team. Mm-hmm. Work yourself in. Go through your same drills. Go through your same motions. Go through how you used to go through a pregame because this is going to be his first basketball game since he broke his mm-hmm. damn leg. Mm-hmm. And we still don't know if that's going to have any lingering effects. So put him in the best possible position for 15 minutes a night. Mm-hmm to do that. And then I think honestly, my, my thought is after I'm basically going to give him like a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see what, where, where is he at? What does he look like? What is, you know, what looks good? What looks like it's still a little bit rusty and then build out from there. Given the state of the rest of the team. And also I know it's hard to answer this question because we don't know exactly who's going to be on the team afterwards after the trade deadline. But given what you can guess, like, what do you think the basketball is going to look like? I mean, they'll still be Dame and CJ. They'll add back Nurk. And then we're, then we don't know, I guess. I mean, I think they go back to exactly what they were before. You go to the. But they the, don't have, you know, Aminu and Harkless, so. <laughs> no, but I don't think that part of it matters. I think it's more important that you're running things that are make sense for Nurk mm-hmm. and, the, and the guys going forward. And so maybe you. Maybe you give Ant some time with Nurk. Yeah. You, you let Dame go in his DHO action. You let uh, CJ work with that that secondary group of uh, the uh, the secondary offense, and then you maybe you give Ant some time to work with them. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a lot of DHOs. I think it's a a lot of uh, pick and roll, and then uh, short roll action for Nurk, like catching and making decisions, trusting coming to his legs coming down, you know, in the paint in between guys, um, and then making decisions. Because that's the thing, like other than, you know, game shape, you got to make sure your mind's, you know, at the right speed. Mm-hmm. And so getting him back and that's part of what made him so amazing is that he has the like a preternatural ability that you see from a lot of these European Balkan bigs who uh, they process the game a little bit better because they play it either naturally or they've, you know, they grew up playing as a guard. Mm-hmm. Do you, how excited do you think Dame and CJ are to be getting his screens back? Through the- through the moon, just absolutely thrilled. Oh. Every guard in the league um, would would kill to have Nurk setting screens for them, and so for them to get him back, that's that they're there. Yeah, is, they are is about setting that. a screen like riding a bicycle. Or, yeah, okay. no, he'll, 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 he'll be he'll the be same people, that. I guess. Yeah, he'll he'll know. Maybe he gets a little bit of weird timing, but I think he's if anything, he's going to get called for like holding the screen a split second too long. Mm. Or maybe sliding a bit too early. Well, sometimes uh, you have to stand there while, while people like fall down along the side yeah, of your exactly. body because you're so giant and they. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's gonna exactly be so true. good. But I want I want to make sure that I like my expectations. Are, your mind is ready. 
Because I just, I just, I don't want too much to be on him, and you know, no, maybe no, no. things not go they're so go smoothly as we're no, envisioning. They, I mean, you've heard me talk about this off air for you know damn near since it happened. The, the idea that they're they're not going to do anything stupid with this. Right. They know how careful they need to be with this. They're not going to put any expectations on him. There's not going to be any timelines. The only thing, the only thing that you're going to hear is minutes restriction and, you know, whatever doctor jargon mm-hmm. of how they go about things. You know, we're going to refer to the team, you know, we're going to refer to the team when I say the team, the medical team, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll talk to Eric. That's, that's all you're going to hear about mm-hmm. it until he's like, like pedal to the floor, hundred percent ready to go. That's how it's going to be. They're, they're going to baby the living hell out of this mm-hmm. and they should. Mm-hmm. I really wish that while he's been out that they would have had him do a few interviews. Cause I think he would be a great sideline temporary sideline reporter. Oh God. Well, the problem is you got to make sure you, you got to be, you got to worry a little bit. Yeah. Nerd might sneak an F bomb in there every now and then. So if you're doing it, you got to make sure it's, it's taped. Yeah. You got to, can't go live. I would take that. He could do like some pregame interviews. I mean, I guess they had Hazonia do one the other day. He got he got Whiteside. Yeah. Give give Nurk a, a a microphone and have him out there interviewing the guys. He he and Brooke could do some stuff together. I think that would be amazing. Well, oh, fantastic! Kidding so, me? <laughs> it'd be so good. So I don't know about you, but for me, I have been able to I guess flip the switch on in terms of what I want to see this season. Um, And what I want to see is I want to see more of the young players, because to me, they're more exciting to watch right now. Um, Every time Anthony, and you you can relate to this, every time Anthony steps out on the court, I know something fun is going to happen. Every time Horde gets out there, I'm like, Ooh, this could be interesting. I'm not Mm -hmm. quite sure why we haven't seen little very much uh, recently, but Give me your rundown on – oh, and Gary Trent Jr. too. Give me your rundown on how these young guys are playing and what you think they might turn into as the year progresses. Um, Horton Little a lot alike. Like one's just like the slightly smaller version in this year. And we're not talking like, – like one's a three, one's a four. They both have like seven-foot wingspan or seven-foot-plus wingspans with big – bulky shoulders and long strides and quick titch athleticism. And they both have like, you know, that, that hustle gene, um, they just can't seem to turn off. And so minded, is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh No, they're not just defensive minded. They just, they just have like a, a preternatural inclination to being aggressive, Mm -hmm. like particularly on, on loose balls, on rebounds, both offensive and defensive putbacks. They just had that timing. They're, 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 I, they're very utilitarian type players. Useful. Um, they could, yeah, they, they just, they just do things. Mm-hmm. And they, I know it sounds weird, but you need guys on your team that just do stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, you look down and you're like, God dang, he did a lot tonight. You don't really realize it. I'm not talking about like in the box score. I'm talking about, you know, in, in your, what your coach's huddle is. You're like, Oh wow. He, he had a lot of closeouts. Wow. He contested a lot of guys hit. Wow. He switched on a lot of screens, like all the little things that, you know, they're keeping track of internally of, you know, things that make them a successful team in a night in night out basis. Those are the kind of guys that do that kind of stuff. Um, Why do you think little was drafted and Horde wasn't? Um, part of it's probably pedigree. Nasir was a top five prospect coming out of high school. Okay. So just like the um, narrative behind him is like, you'd heard sure. his name a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this year was a legit prospect coming out of high school. He was one of those ones where you could easily be talked in it. And he went to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Now they both went to North Carolina schools in Wake Forest, North Carolina, but there's a pecking order. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sure They'll all tell you they're all number one, uh, <laughs> unless you're you're Carolina Blue or Tar Heel Blue, you know, you, or, or uh, excuse me, uh, Duke. I I, I kind of sold myself out there as a yeah. Duke hater. Whoops. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, the never, yeah, the fact that I tweeted for like five years straight, never trust Duke players. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll talk about Gary Trent Jr. I mean, Gary's a guy who I got to watch really young uh, at Hoop Summit, and I, I, I think I said, think I said about him, I could see him being an eight, nine year guy in the NBA, just by the way he gets his shot off, and he shoots it confidently. And I was talking to a couple scouts at the game the other night, just about about Gary in general, and we started talking about um, Luke Babbitt and um, 
Oh God, who was another? Well, Pat Connaughton, because it was the Bucks game. Uh, And how if you've got a shot that you get off consistently and everything in your shot looks good, it just doesn't fall. You're just like something. Why isn't this falling? Chances are you're probably a pretty decent shooter. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jake was like that for two years. Yeah, Jake was. Yeah, exactly. Again, I, I know there's a prototype. I'm talking about good, like good-looking, shooting white dudes here. Like, I, I get it, but there's something to that in the sense of like, yeah, no, I can see that. When I look at Gary, that's what I see. Mm-hmm. I, like, the shot looks good. He's hit. He's taking his shot on, on time and in the right spots. Uh, he's creating off the bounce a little bit. He's showing just a finite amount of secondary playmaking. Like. I, I can easily see him being a guy that sticks in the league like once it clicks. I just don't know if it's going to end up being here. He may be a guy who was year four, year five, where like, oh, there it is. Boom. And now all those little things that weren't quite right. It's like I, get, I used this example the other night. I'll use it again. It's like it's not square peg round hole as far as like everything coming together for him. It's it's more like octagon peg round hole. Like it fits. And on some nights. <laughs> It works, but it's not it's not perfect yet. But you smooth those edges down, and all of a sudden, yeah, I can see it kind of coming together and working for him. Dang, that was nice. Did you work on that one for a while? I appreciate no, that. That was a good it's, one. I have one every now and then. <laughs> well, so in terms of – we haven't gotten to, to Simons yet, but in terms of Horde and Little and Trent Jr., like I keep thinking that we're going to see more of them. Yeah. The Blazers are invested in them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because the horror, I mean, the Blazers hadn't used a two way contract before ever. And now they have that dude playing in actual games. Well, isn't Moses Brown a two way contract? Yes. Those okay. are, this, this is the first time they've ever used them okay. was this year. Okay. When, so, when have- uh, Stotts said that he, in a press conference, he said that this was the first time and I wasn't sure if that, if he mm-hmm. just wasn't thinking about Moses. Cause well, he has I mean, two they're, guys they're, on they're done at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, they see something in there and I know that Portland was interested in a guy like Jalen. Um, I mean, heading into the draft, Portland was looking at taking a shooter. It, it was because Nasir fell all the way down to them. And from what I heard, he was near top 10 on their board. Um, they, they took Nasir there. So like they're they're like they're thrilled to have him. They just didn't think he would be there when they were you know when they they were picking. So they've got those guys. I think they're committed to the same with Gary Trent. Even though he's a second round pick, they split up part of the MLE and gave him that. Mm-hmm. So right. and that was to kind of secure his services for three years. Um, so guys like that. I mean, do you see them? You know, playing the role of guys we've already mentioned, like Pat Connaughton and yes, that's um, what those guys are. Right, and then Babbitt's Jake Layman's of the world. That's exactly what those guys are. Well, and it seems to me like um, somebody who's like, I don't, I don't think tier is quite the right word, but somebody who kind of outperformed that level could be like Alan Crabb. And like, what happened to Alan Crabb after he left is a whole nother thing. But like, like Alan Crabb ended up earning a big contract and being a, a pretty big part of the rotation in year mm-hmm. three. Um, I mean, do you, or I'm trying to figure out if Alan Crabb like out, you know, was a bigger deal than Layman and, um, no, he had one, they just learned their lesson after offering him that giant contract. Yeah. They saw something that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what happened with that. And then they pushed Kim to shove. They had to do something and they needed a wing and, they spun the roulette wheel and they landed on Alan Crab. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like, well, pay him, pay somebody else. With him, we can, you know, we can maybe trade it down the road. Well, Brooklyn they did. saw Alan yeah. Crab. <laughs> and then Portland yeah, was like, that's, oh, that's, oh, what do we do? <laughs> Let's match. Yeah. So, well, um, um, but that's a good point as far as like, and you need those guys on your team. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's what makes Milwaukee good. Let me rephrase this having the best player on the planet makes Milwaukee yeah. great. <laughs> having. Having those other guys makes them good. Mm-hmm. Like that's like having Pat Connaughton and Ersan Iosova and, you know, all these guys that fit in behind. Like there's guys on that team that don't play who would be like seventh men on other NBA teams. Mm-hmm. Like, you just look at it and you're just like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. 
like as the you know chances are Portland's probably not going to get Giannis. I mean, I'll just probably you know put it out there, but um, but what do you see with any of these guys? Like, what do you like? Best case scenario, like he burst through his ceiling and you know really turned into like you know Pascal Siakam or one of the Fred Van Vliet. Like, which one of those guys on the uh, Portland's roster do you think has the most potential to be somebody like that? Not including Simons. We're going to talk about him next. Oh yeah, no, I I knew you were going with this. Uh, it's Nasir. Mm-hmm. Like the the comp that I think I came up with him when I first really saw him play, which was Gerald, Gerald Wallace. Wallace. Like. Mm-hmm. That'd be a really good player. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's like, oh, he can't shoot. You know what? You know what's great to have on a team? A guy that re- with absolute reckless abandon dunks on your opponent nightly. Mm-hmm. Just shoves the ball down their throat on every possession and puts an opponent on their heels the entire night while also being a tenacious defender, rebounder, an absolutely insane human being. Do you like, think yeah, uh, that do you think an aggressive dunker like that fits in with the way that they've played basketball? Cause it's just, God, so, no. <laughs> what? I mean, or is it, that's just something God, like nobody no. doesn't fit yeah. in. Like, no, he, they, no, they does. They don't, they don't have that at all. They, they like, it hasn't fit in because they haven't had anything near that's that. What I mean, like, is yeah. it, it does, it, nobody fits in like that because they haven't had someone like that or like, they've never gone out to try to aggressively find somebody like that. Cause it doesn't fit in with the way they play. I don't has anything to do with the way they play. Like they realistically, they need that. Yeah. Every they, once they in a while, Naz get Naz is really good at getting those yeah. like really well time dunks. Just yeah, and it, it's just that's the kind of guy you look at, and he's still stupid young. So mm-hmm. you just kind of look at him like yeah. Um, I it's very 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 easy for me to see Gary becoming a bigger. It's, it's, a, it's a bad example, but the way he moves reminds me of him, Patty Mills. He has that – it's not quite as fast, but his stop-start hmm. just kind of run you ragged around the perimeter all night, mm-hmm. uh, stop on a dime, pull up on three. Like I think he could have a, a, a career – kind of thing. Yeah, but he does it more like Patty where JJ's is just I'm going to time this perfectly off this screen and I'm going to dip my shoulder. It's like he just knows how to run guys where Patty's like, you know what? I'm in better shape than you. Good luck. <laughs> And he just goes and runs and runs and runs, which is really hilarious because he came in the league as a chubby guy. Uh, but it's like Patty's the kind of guy who's like, oh, got you here. Nope, got you here, got you here. I see Gary doing that where he fakes a back cut, comes back up, drops back down below, curls off another one, and then, you know, just he kind of gets the hips going the entire time. And you're like, God, that would just be hell to cover. Yeah. But it was, it was that Patty, he couldn't his shot was inconsistent when he came in the league and that's what Portland gave him the chance. And it was like, Oh, okay. No, no, you got yourself in shape and you figured this out. And San Antonio kind of, you know, took him on. Not that Gary's has those issues now, but I can see him being like the second part of his career being a 10 to 12, 13 point a night guy. Who's like your eighth man, like your super stud eighth man. Uh-huh. Like, and that's a, where he, he could be like a, a, a decent sixth man for, some teams, he'd be a, a obscenely good seventh, eighth man, like what the Spurs had when they had, you know, Manu and, and Mills coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Okay, now is the time. Now the time has come for us to talk about Anthony oh, Simons. Oh, what I'm wondering is, given the state of the team and the roster and the injuries and all that stuff, how do you think the Blazers are looking at the best way to? develop Anthony. They're still taking their time with him. They're giving him opportunities when he looks like he's got it going and they're not t- putting the pressure on him. If he doesn't seem like he does. Okay. That's really, like, that's been my takeaway. Um, I wish there were nights that they gave him more minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want him to take on more, but outside of the starters, he's the only one playing more than 20 minutes a night, really over like, I think the last like 12 games. Uh, let me go back to 15. I had it earlier. Yeah. So um, he's, he's the only one playing over 20 minutes in the last 15 games other than the starters. So, um, and really the last 10, he's been kind of where I thought he'd be. I just, I, my, my problem is more about the opportunities that he's getting or not getting. Mm-hmm. 
So, so how do you feel he's doing this year at getting his own shot? Have you, has he just always been good? Do you think you've seen improvement? Uh, I mean, I, I, I think that's his most elite skill is creating his own shot. I think he can get his own shot wherever he wants off the dribble where I've seen him over the last couple of weeks is try to focus particularly more on the pick and roll. Um, trying to create a little bit for the role, but since Scal went down, that's kind of difficult for him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the, the timing yet, or maybe not even the trust with some of the guys he's rolling to work with. with. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other part of it. Um, but certainly working there, and I think the biggest thing, or the, the most uh, obvious development, is his ability to finish at the rim. Yeah, he's had over. He has had some. And, and, and they're obscene finishes where he's switching hands. This is just me being the Anthony Simons guy. He's, you know, he's switching hands midair, getting hit, finishing over his head. Those weren't things that I, I anticipated him to have. Cause that's, that's a different category than being, you know, an elite shot creator and dunker that those, what he's doing with those shots require a ton of balance and touch and, you know, being able to absorb the contact. And speaking of which, when the next guy lays his hands on Simons, I'm going to break their nose. Mm-hmm. Freaking kid can't get a call to save his life. It's absolutely awful. And I get that he's still a kid, but protect the guy. Like, when a guy gets slapped so hard, he gets four stitches. Maybe you were wrong and you screwed up the call. So well, he never got to come in so that they could reverse it, so they could fix it. He never got to go back well, in no, because he was it, getting stitches. And here's here's the thing too. Um that ref, like we have like in, in the studio, we have the cameras on all the time. Like when it goes to commercials, we still have the feed. And Dame, CJ, Bays, and Stotts all lit that riff ref up. They all told him the same thing. Like he's cut open. He's in the back getting stitches right now. And the ref was, they said uh, originally is like, I didn't have the right angle. Wasn't my call to make. And then he started talking about, well, maybe something was obstructed. Like it was, it was maddening that he couldn't just say what a lot of refs do. Good refs. You know what, man, we missed the call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but all the players and Stotts were just giving it to him and rightfully so. And it was, it was nice to see all those guys, Kind of go out there and stick up for Ant because when Ant got hit, he just turned around and walked away. Mm-hmm. Got his cheeks split open. He quite literally turned the other cheek, Dara. So I've noticed that Jalen Horde is getting to the line. He's aggressive. So how come he – why do you think he gets the calls and Anthony doesn't? Big body. Okay. Well, honestly, I think it's what – that where where he's going – Um and I, I think they're literally giving him the star treatment, which means you have to you have to pay up to in order to they're get free Jaylen throws. Hoard the star treatment. No, 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 Anthony. Oh, they're giving no, no, him the they're star g- treatment and not calling. That's, let me go here. Trust me. It's a, to get the full on star treatment, one must pay the penance of oh. having one year of suffering, or you don't get anything. Right. Okay. And then, then it then it comes. Yeah, and then eventually. They start it, but the first year or two, they're like, no, you need to earn your, you need to yeah. fall down. You need to get hit hard a lot. Yeah. Well, well I guess we're, that's one Jaylen possibility. Horde, well, Jalen Horde, he's getting him right now because he's a big body. who's active and, you know, being aggressive at the rim where he's only, what, how many shot opportunities he had? Like four, five. Um, been, in the last two games, he went to the line twice. Yeah. But I mean, how many, how many shots has he had? Not very many. Six or eight points each. Yeah. So he's got a high free throw rate right now, Mm -hmm. but he could go 25 more shots without getting, you know, a foul. Or he could be a guy who just plays around the rim a ton. And with that, he's maybe has a higher free throw rate. But yeah, as as far as Ant goes, his development is about on where I hoped it would be. I wanted something that I didn't see to pop. And we haven't really talked about this at all. His rebounding. He has come out of nowhere at times and just been a fantastic rebounder. He, the, the kid had his first career double double and it was with rebounds, Tara. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I didn't see that as being a thing. And uh, I was talking to a few folks and the comparison came up with calling him Will Barton. Hmm. Remember, Will was, it was an incredible rebounder for his size. And you're like, how do you get in there? How did you <laughs> grab that? Like, not only are you giving up five inches, you're giving up like a hundred pounds. Like, what? 
what is going on here? No and one I, loved I, the ball as much as Will Barton loved the ball. Yeah, and he, I think it's part of it. I, I think Ant looks around and goes, "Oh, you guys don't, you guys don't want this? Here, let me go get this." And he's he's out jumped guys that are seven, eight inches taller than him, and a hundred pounds heavier. And you're just like, "Holy crap, what is going on here?" And that's been, and it's not a huge number, but it's a, a number where Rags like, "Huh, I wonder if that's a thing." Like. I wonder if it's the, the, the team is just horribly injured and short on size, or is this something that he's kind of got that we didn't know about, which mm-hmm. I think that's those, the little, the surprise goodie bags are always fun to find. Yeah. I, I think the thing that I kind of wonder about is again, given the state of the team and it being in flux and us not knowing what they're going to look like, how much time, you know, how much is Anthony gaining by being in alongside people that he's not going to be playing with like long-term? Yeah. I don't think that's too big of a problem. I think maybe having a, a little bit different exposure to some different groups isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially at this point. The only thing that I want to see is I do want to see him play with Dane Dane. more. uh, So where he can, they can work each other off ball. Um, I mean, you want to talk about the difference between Damon Ant and Damon CJ? And I'm not. This isn't me going on the whole trade thing. I'm just talking about play styles. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ant could create a shot much like CJ um, at various levels. This is what having a bigger, stronger, longer, more athletic guard. I'm, and I'm CJ stronger now, but I'm talking about kind of going in the future and a more explosive and athletic guard at the two can look like. How'd you like that backdoor cut for uh, lobs twice in a game, Tara? Oh. <laughs> no, I loved it so much. Yeah. Do you know how many times they've tried to run that play this season? Well, and like half-heartedly. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's, oh, I think uh, I'm going to toss. Oh, wait, no. I'm just going to like do an arching pass because I'm afraid yeah. to throw an actual alley-oop. Yes. And all of a sudden they're like, you know what? I'm going to throw a decent ball. Because Anthony's and, a leaper and you don't have like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he, they, you know, he's put it at the top of the box and he goes completely off balance and gets it and throws it down. It's like, oh, this, yeah, no, that's fun. The second one in that was at the heat game that they had the two. Yes. Where the he one caught it. Where he caught it. Rim. Where Damien finally, finally threw it directly above the basket and not like down. So he had to catch it and then dunk it in. But he just threw it right above the basket and then Anthony just like brought it down. That was like. Okay, you guys are allowed to do alley oops again. Yeah, <laughs> you've earned the right to do alley oops again. <laughs> but that's like like getting those two to I think familiar with each other. I think with if CJ is not on the floor and you're working them around, then it's not a bad thing to have those two be able to play off each other. Either Dame as their creator or uh, Anthony as a secondary creator. Like I, I love that uh, play that Dame and CJ run where uh, CJ runs into space and catches it like Dame throws it before CJ's even looking and he goes into the spot and catches it. Yeah. And so working on something like that with Anthony, like to be able to do that with Anthony too, like would be awesome. It's just that currently given the state of things, like if Anthony, like I just feel like Anthony has like no chance of getting that just because having to think so much. And then the other teams just overpowering them because of just who's on the court. Mm-hmm. Like CJ has yeah. the timing good enough that he could do it, but Anthony, like to be able to get there on time without looking, it just seems without like getting bumped, grabbed, but I pushed. guess we could wait a couple of years. I think that took a while for Damon and CJ to get to be able to do too. Also, yeah, but uh, other than that, no, like uh, I've been I've been very excited, particularly excited about just him getting more and more opportunities in um, tighter situations. So to close the first quarter of the night, Dame deferred, drew the, drew the defense in, reversed the ball to Ant and let Ant take the last shot for the end of the quarter. Like that's giving Ant those opportunities to close out quarter. He stepped right into it and absolutely canned it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think those the kind of things are the kind of things you're looking for as far as like important developments. Hey, does it mean anything really? No, but do you now have something on tape that shows the young man that, yeah, you're capable of stepping up and knocking out a shot as the clock expires? Mm-hmm. 
like those are those are they're very very subtle things but those are the kind of things that i look at and go okay yeah no this is good this is these are these are building blocks do you feel like you like i mentioned earlier how i felt like i'd kind of like flipped a switch in terms of how i'm watching the games this season are you (laughs) there or have you been there for a while yeah, I've been there since what, like December, 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 like fifth, uh-huh. <laughs> so, something like that. Uh, whenever Rodney Hood went down. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, Zach whenever, Collins or. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty down when Zach went down and when Rodney went down, I was completely done. Uh huh. Um, yeah, so, it's, 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 it's definitely different in how I, I thought I would watch the game versus how I am watching the game. Mm-hmm. So the last women's hoops and talks meetup we had, it was during the Miami game. So we had a lot of time to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and it was cool because we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, why we follow the team even when they're not winning. Like, you know, people remembered what it was like, you know, in 2000, you know, six or five when nobody was there and they would yeah. have the entire road of themselves or the whole entire section to themselves. But they went because the Blazers had always meant something to them. So aside from like the paycheck that you get for doing the post game show, <laughs> um, what is it about the Blazers that keeps you watching in when the, even when they're not playing well? Uh, I mean, I still love basketball and there's always guys up and down the roster. Like there's always guys that I'm going to find and be more uh, in tune with. Like, even though the Brandon LaMarcus team had Brandon LaMarcus, there weren't a ton of guys on that team. Like, Rudy was fun, and I always really liked Nick. But there weren't guys that I was, like, truly unabashedly attached to. Like, with this team, like, I love Dame. Unabashedly, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, I'm I'm that way now with Simons. Like, I'm working my way. Like, I I, I mean, you know me, Tara. When When I... Finding a, a young player that I really enjoy watching and I and I really invest them, it's because I think they're going to be great. I mean, I, I I think over the years that we've done this, you know, guys like Oladipo were in that, and obviously Donovan Mitchell and Jaw. Like I see the same kind of thing in Anthony, and for me, those are the things that keep pulling me back. Like the, the individual storylines will always bring me back when the team struggles, but when the team's rolling. Then I, I'm I'm all team all the time. Mm-hmm. That's where I, I I have people who, you know, why are you always negative? I'm like I'm not negative. I'm negative when the team sucks. That, that's that's when I'm negative. If this is a 65 win team who is like a legit title contender, you won't find a bigger cheerleader than me. And it's not a front runner mentality. It's just I'm going to probably be a reflection of what I feel the team is right now. And I just kind of go back and forth between what I'm really into and watching, um, depending on what state the team's in. Mm-hmm. Does so that make sense? It sounds to me like you're saying the the thing that, like, even when the team isn't doing well, the things the thing that keeps you coming back are the individual players. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that's what holds your holds your interest. It, it, it's what will sustain me over a season. Mm-hmm. Like night in, night out, I can go. Okay, cool. Uh, and scout, and like I always have these other guys that maybe not oh quite God, to, so to the talent levels stuff. Yeah, I mean exactly. But like as far as like human beings go, like when Myers was here in Portland, it's like I I wanted to watch Myers play because Myers was that dude. And I was like, okay. Is and that the same thing? The same with scout. Is that the same thing that like twelve year old Danny was watching when you were watching? the team were you in, as into the players or did, was it the team? Yeah. So you? It was the players. Like the, my first game I ever like remember was when I was in California as a kid and it was a Lakers Blazers game and it was Clyde that caught my eye. Oh, and how so, could he not, man? That guy was yeah, easy to watch. I mean, you're, you're seven, six, seven years old seeing Clyde Drexler as a kid. I mean, yeah, that's kind of how, right on well this has been a nice trip down memory lane we're going to find all kinds of things to uh, keep us occupied as the season unfolds as we wait for the return of Yusuf Nurkic and the uh, reestablishment of equilibrium I guess maybe we could call it listen let's just make it there yeah, let's just make it to the deadline if and here's the thing everybody's like oh you're you're going soft on the Blazers no 
they have an opportunity to make some changes at the deadline. So they I'm giving them that built into their season an opportunity to make changes at the deadline. Yes. So I'm giving them that opportunity. Uh-huh. Now, if they get past that deadline and things haven't changed, whoo, doggy. You know they're gonna. <laughs> you know whatever they do is gonna be something completely different than we all thought that they were gonna do, <laughs> and it's gonna be like what are you doing? And then eventually it'll all turn out fine. But they always, they always zig when they think we're going to, when we think they're going to zag, they just, they just always do. It seems like. Tara, I was, I was going to try to go to bed on a good note. That is a good note. I'm just saying like, don't get, you know, have an open mind. <laughs> don't know what's going to happen, but we should wrap it up. Um, yes, we should. Let's see. I'll give my stuff and then you do your stuff. I can be okay. found on Twitter at TCBBigs. You can follow the Hoops and P- Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks, and it will also show up in the Blazers Edge feed on Thursdays or Fridays or sometime around the end of the week. Um, so subscribe to Blazers Edge. You will get both of them. Um, oh, hey, Blazers Edge night is uh, it's time to start buying tickets for that i'm still trying to figure out what i'm yes march 17th yeah you can get to figure that out Last march 17th against tim wolves every time i got an yeah I, I brought one but i feel like if i did that this year they would like barely get any tickets but that's kind of the situation i was in last year and then all of a sudden they went on a tear and i think i had to buy yeah. like 15 tickets yeah i'd say it was like 13 or 15 yeah yeah so i don't know if you think of something let me know Anyway, go to the website and also at the bottom of the um, of the show notes, we can include a link so people can go and buy their tickets and donate them so that kids can come see the Blazers play. And uh, I think that about does it for me. Dan, why don't you take us out of here? All right, folks. As always, you can find me on social media at Danny Morang at D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-R-A-N-G. And after every Blazers game with Joe Simons on NBC Sports Northwest for – Blazers Outsiders, and thank you to everybody who participated in the uh, the fallout of the Minnesota Timberwolves post game. Uh, we wanted to talk about that game as little as humanly possible, and uh, you all obliged. So thank you for that. Um, for everybody who thinks I want to constantly crap on the team, there, there's your perfect example. <laughs> I did not want to talk about how bad they look in the Timberwolves game. So hopefully we don't have any more that are that bad. Um, I have a feeling we're going to, but uh, we'll get through it. If you guys. Yeah, same. If, 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 if you want to commiserate with Joe and I, we'll be there for you. Uh, maybe we'll uh, start incorporating a drink of choice for that night for everybody to all commiserate with together. Uh, other than that, uh, nothing in the works uh, until post All-Star break. So I guess that's it for Tara. I'm Danny. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you all next week. Bye.